All right, we'll let this play out, and then we'll stop, and then we'll go to another. Okay, cool. I literally almost put the mayo on top of the hot dog like normal, and then I did it like a maniac and put it on the bun first. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I was like, here we go. I was like, that was stupid, but oh well. You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Hello, everybody. It is The John Chi Show with your boys, KJ, Nathan, and Patrick. We are back with another fantastic episode for you. This one is part two of two. Um, with our interview with Mary Bowers. Before we get too far, fellas, how are you doing? Still great. <laughs> I'm doing a week later. I am doing just as good. I'm doing. Mm, mm, mm. He's, he's got two. Mm. If you don't get it, just go back and listen to the top of last That's week's right. episode. Uh, we're just we're doing a little time travel, so it's a little weird for us, but for you, the listener. Everything is normal. Uh, if this is your first time, <laughs> definitely everything is normal. This is not special in any ways. We are usually a hot mess, but that's unrelated to anything. True. Nathan, what does John Chi mean? Why do we call ourselves the John Chi Show? We are the John Chi Show because uh, we are um, Korean adoptees and we are, the, the word John Chi means to feast. Um, and we are feasting and celebrating on our stories and other people's stories. I know that sounded weird. They're feasting on their stories. Oh, no, but I gobble people's stories You up. gobble their We've stories up. Well, that's up. true. I, I guess just... we could be gobbling them up, um, <laughs> especially this episode. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yes, we we are the John Chi Show, and uh, we have a snack or drink at the end of the show. Um, and not to be confused with uh, Joan Chi, which is KJ's <laughs> other show. <laughs> we haven't said that it one in a while. It hasn't dropped yet. It hasn't yeah, come out right. yet. Perpetually it. uh, coming It's percolating out. in my mind. <laughs> yeah. So I'm still, still workshopping soon. it, trying to find some uh, some VCs to back me. You know you know how it goes. Uh, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> so yeah, like I said, this is uh, part two of our interview with Mary Bowers. Um, and we really get into it. Uh, we talk about a whole, whole lot of things. But uh, I specifically want to draw attention to um, the 16 for 16, which I know that Mary is... Wanting to draw attention to, uh, she is going to be competing in a hot dog eating contest, international hot dog eating contest uh, for Korea, which I think she'll get into or she got into. I don't she actually know how the edit is. A little bit. She got she into, got into, it, into so it a little bit. She's competing in an international hot dog eating contest uh, on July 4th for Korea. Um, and so it's a real kind of like, not not full circle, but um, intersectional moment, we'll say, uh, for Mary, which we've talked about and, and we'll continue to talk about. But I just wanted to highlight uh, her 16 for 16, like kind of personal goal, which um, is to... 16 eat, hot is dogs eat 16 in 10 hot dogs? minutes. Yeah, that's what it is. Bun and yeah, hot yeah. dogs. And it's for the 16 um, uh, adoptees uh, in Korea. Who are a part of her... Part of, Group, group that just recently yeah. got accepted their cases got accepted to be investigated by the truth and reconciliation committee which is what we also get into on this episode mm-hmm. so yeah. for anybody who might be joining this first time and wondering what part one was about part one was much very much about mary's personal story that we dug into and we got into that um and then this interview this part two is specifically about 
her competitive eating career and uh, what's going on with the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. So these are the two different things and definitely want you to check out the 16 for 16th. Um, that's super important. You can see all the links for those in the show notes, all the things that we talk about here in the episode. Um, and as Nathan said at the top, you definitely want to stick around for our fun eating section at the end, which you'll feel like is part of the interview, but it's definitely a food portion <laughs> because we are all over the place and it's really, really fun. So without further ado, let's get into it. This is part two. Take me there. Take me there. Um, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And there's so many different types of, of, um, get to your family um you know defining the family thing it's, it's very true because everyone's story is so different i mean um especially when they if they find reunion or don't find reunion or are still looking or don't want to look i mean there's so many different aspects to that um and and then multiple you know branches of those once one of those happens you're you're looking you found them but then they don't want anything to do with you or you you know, don't want anything to do with them or, and then just, and the, the difficulty in communication and, uh, um, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's very, very complicated. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't, don't know anything mm-hmm. about and there's nothing, there's nothing out there talking about it. I mean, there's very little media, um, that explains it. So that, that is something that Patrick started to talk about too, is, is the, is the TRC, so um, that's he, what I, yeah. I wanted to ask. Yeah. So Nathan, I like that you explain it as complicated because I think mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people obviously with this dominant narrative of adoption think about adoption and reunion and, and searching is that it's just going to be easy. Like you'll get reunited and everyone will be happy. And that's the end of it. They don't know about all of the struggle that you have to go through to even get to the point of like making a decision that I want to do this and all of the roadblocks and complications that come with or come up because of this process of adoption that people just don't know about if they're not part of this community. And right now, um, Peter Muller, he leads a group of Danish adoptees who have been uh, doing some really incredible work to not only petition the government, but demand action to look into a number of cases where the stories that have been told, the, the paperwork that's been provided has been falsified and looking into those things and having the government actually hold themselves and the agencies accountable for those actions. And the way that they're doing that, the Korean government has uh, what's called the Truth and Reconciliation Committee, who is going through this process right now to address some of these cases. Actually, today, as of this recording, um, there was a news release that just went out that they are looking into, I think, 100 more of, uh, of the cases. No, 200. Oh, 230. 200. Okay. 230 yes. more cases. So, perfect. And so, great news that they are going through this. I think I read in the article that they do expect to look into every single one of the cases they're going in by the order in order of how they've been submitted, um, which is also great news. Um, and I know Mary, that's one of the things that you wanted to come on and talk a little bit about because you are one of the adoptees from the United States who has submitted that work. So I just wanted to know if you wanted to share a little bit more about that, that journey, that experience with our listeners who may not know very much about this process right now. 
Yeah, so that's been like uh, an absolute head trip. Sorry, I'm a, a little tired because it's been it's been what two days since that announcement came out, and so uh, you know your body has these responses, and I'm like, why am I crying at work in the break room? <laughs> I'm actually happy, but then like my body's telling me I'm terrified and sad, mm. and then um, you know there's there's kind of this this hyper vigilance that kicks in, and it's like, okay, it feels like it should be a victory. But now the real work starts. Um, yeah. So the way that I got involved with the the investigation is because I was already embarking on that very naive, like puppy running through the flower fields, uh, birth search. And over the course of about a year, year and a half, I kept hitting those roadblocks that you were referring to. So mm. I I requested certain documents from the adoption agency. They're like, oh, well, you're not allowed to have that record. Um, that record doesn't exist. We don't know where the record is. Oh, but by the way, your parents are both alive and living together. They're now married couple. And I'm like, you can't tell me both of these things. while also at the same time, my adoption file says I am an orphan. Mm, so yeah. what is the truth here? Because they can't both be true. I cannot have married living parents and also be an orphan. Um, so (laughs) that was, that was one of the red flags. And as part of that process, I was like, I'm going to go to Busan where my paperwork says I was born while I was there. Um, I happened to be at a coffee shop and I looked across the street and there was a social services agency. So I was like, I'm just going to sit here. Google search the term social agencies, social welfare, Busan. And all of the the cases, all of the articles came up on another case, the brother's home case, um, while I was (laughs) looking into this. So for those who don't know, brother's home was a forced labor camp and adoption was like their side hustle. Um, Since... I, since last August, I think in December, right around the same time that the last of the TRC cases were submitted, Brothers Home got a ruling. People were found guilty for horrific abuse, forced labor, abuse of children, abuse of disabled people. Um, And so in those articles, I recognized the name of the person who had signed every single one of my papers. Mm. Wow. Um, at that time, the Associated Press had tied him to the trafficking of, I think, seven different children. Since then, that number has grown definitively to 19 children. I don't think I'm going to be the special exception. Um, so uh, that was my trip to Busan. Um, I thought it would be just... Uh, you know, take some time at the beach, find out where I eat came from, fish. eat some fish, chill at a coffee shop. Yeah. Chill at a coffee shop. <sighs> and yeah. Uh, but that coffee shop, you know, um, it was nice. I mean, they advertised that they had exceptionally nice toilets, which I mean, <laughs> I was, it's like, always it, a, it's like a, a sign thing. on the, on the, the front of the cafe, which like I would, I would give them like a, I don't know, like a seven out of ten stars on the, <laughs> the toilet. I like but, it. But uh, yeah, it was it was actually kind of good to have the comic relief of like 
okay, well, it's an oh shit moment. I have a nice toilet to go to right now. <laughs> Fortunately, it's exceptionally clean. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so, um, so at that point, I started digging more into my case, um, asking for more documents. In, in my case, there are no relinquishment documents. Um, there is no court record. I have four different last names and between the Korean adoption documents and the U.S. immigration files, I have three birthdays um, and it doesn't help that I also have adoptive parents who celebrated my adoption day like another birthday. <laughs> and then every Korean up until this June uh, celebrated January 1st as everybody's birthday. So that's yep. four last names five birthdays and I'm one person and yet I am supposed to have a well-adjusted identity formed around that. How dare you speak poorly of adoption and what <laughs> in the process of adoption? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. You have four birthdays. You have five birthdays. Yeah. Who you get more presents. Oh, right? You get a lot more cupcakes coming. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> a lot more cupcakes. <laughs> well, the problem is that these are not just, um, you know, my sense of self. Like there's definitely a mental health impact that goes with it. But these are like, I have at least two possibly more like administrative, like your ID, your driver's license, your passport, your birth certificate identities mm. that are somehow through this bizarre process. Um, they, they belong to me. And yet I am one, one person because of some of the accusations in, in the TRC claim include things like identity laundering. Um, <laughs> yeah. So well, it's hard to know what's true and it's hard to trust and it's hard to feel any sense of security or self-assurance when you have four birthdays and f four last names and five birthdays and all everything in between. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you I so much for, for sharing <laughs> that. It's obviously a lot and it's different shades of fresh to you uh, <laughs> and certainly fresh yeah. to your body. Even yeah. if your brain has moved on, your body is still trying to catch up. Um, I'm curious, how do you feel about Korea now? Um, I I think that the claims in the TRC case are are pretty horrific. I mean, there's 56 different human rights abuses that are named in the claim that are under investigation. In that checklist. I mean, we're always told, like, you should be so grateful. You're so lucky to be adopted. Mm. I think that moment of filling out that form was probably the first time where I was like, oh, shit, I am so lucky because of the, the number of boxes that I did not have to check. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. So, um, like, my feelings are very mixed, very, very mixed. And I think that most countries um, have good parts to their history and bad parts to their history. But until you take it as a whole, <laughs> like the thing that, <laughs> the thing that I was explaining um, just the other day to another adoptee is that it feels like 
Um, with the TRC case, we would not be submitting these claims now unless we had some degree of confidence in the current government, in the in the citizens who live here, their ability to understand and support us. Had we done this back when all of these crimes happened, I mean, we couldn't because we were children, but had somebody tried that then, they they probably would not have had a very good life after that or a life after that, because I think the authoritarian years were very, very dark and heavy handed. And yeah. so it says a lot about how far Korea has come. But until there is an understanding of what happened, adoptees were not the only people who were subjected to this process. I mean, human rights don't happen in a vacuum. Yeah. It happened to our biological families. It happened to the neighborhoods. It happened to the citizens who lived here, who still remember it and aren't able to talk about it. Um, and until we acknowledge that that darker past, those heroes who built the democracy we have today are unacknowledged. They 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 die without legacy in the shadows, and that's not fair. They've they fought too hard. Yeah. So I love yeah, the best. It's like a very mixed, very mixed feelings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, and I think that's good. I, I I think that part of the narrative around adoption is like this concept, like of of unconditional love, right? So you are supposed to love a person no matter where they're, they've come from, no matter what their race, no matter what their background. But if we're not able to acknowledge the, the worst parts of what humans do to each other, I don't think it's possible to have anything that's unconditional. Like that, that itself like places the condition, like we're only going to love the happy things, the comfortable yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. It's not unconditional love isn't love without consequences. It's not love without mm -hmm. seeing fullness. It's unconditional in spite of all the things. I yeah. I have loved listening to you talk these past couple of <laughs> minutes, especially because like I think for the three of us as as the hosts of the show, we're just like I don't want to ask any more questions. Like you keep giving <laughs> You keep giving me, <laughs> at least for me, you keep giving me things that I just want to like sit with and like just be present in. And so I'm so grateful for, um, for your thoughtfulness and your ability to really take the holistic approach that we try to bring to every show um, into where you are now. Um, one of the things that I remember reading in your, your press bio was that you graduated with a degree in architecture and then went into like political science and like international relations yeah. and also you're a professional yeah. eater. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you help me through what, uh, what? So the architecture thing, um, I wanted to do something creative, always gravitated towards the arts. And then as soon as I hit high school, was about to go to college, my parents were like, yeah, that's great, but you can't make any money at it. And so therefore, if you want any help or support, you need to pick a, a, a real major with a real job at the end of it. So I was like, architecture. 
Also, like, <laughs> stupidly, naively, like the puppy in the flower field. I was like, okay, uh, much harder than I thought it would be. And I applied for an internship um, with the federal government's, um, like, real estate management uh, agency. And um, so I did that. And the reason I got that job, I think there's an important lesson in this story. I was the least qualified candidate according to my boss on the first day. And I was like, why did you hire me then? (laughs) And he was like, because you were the only person who took the time to spell check your resume. So he, he told me if I could take ownership of the things that I do know, then Mm -hmm. he believed that he could teach me or it was possible for me to learn the things that I didn't know. And I think there's an important lesson in that. And, um, you know, he's still somebody I admire a lot. Um, so that's how I started with government work. And then um, it's a little bit like musical chairs in in government. You kind of move from one agency to another. Sometimes you go back and forth between the public sector and the private sector, but it's kind of the same people. Um, and I mean, it, the, the revolving door in politics is, is a bit controversial on its own, um, but it was something that I really enjoyed doing for a long time because I felt like I was contributing something positive um, to to the world around me. Like um, most of my work focused on airports or border crossings. So literally like building the connections between countries and, and people. And so um, that's, that's how I <laughs> started with that. Um, and then the competitive eating was also kind of an accident. I went for what I thought was a local eating contest. (laughs) Um, It turned out it was a qualifying event for, (laughs) for a contest that was broadcast in 14 countries. And Takiro Kobayashi (laughs) was the headliner (laughs) for the final round. And I was the only woman at the table. And so that is how I started competitive eating. And it it got real strange, man. Like I would go to <laughs> I would go to meetings. I would go to meetings and there would be like rep- representatives from like the Department of State. And the first thing they would ask me is, How many hot dogs did you eat? <laughs> uh, wild. So so totally wild, wild. but there is like, I think a a huge amount of diplomacy that happens around food. Um, Like usually if, if there's a a diplomatic visit, a a lot of times there's, you know, there's food, there's drinks that are exchanged between countries and it is something Mm -hmm. that, that builds bridges in a different way. So if I look at the theme of, of my career and what I've done, I think the focus has always just been in, in building connections between people and cultures and, and things that people don't always see the connections between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've definitely heard that food is, like you said, is, is a connector and yeah, yeah. how, so how I, I have to go back to that. So you had no, um, experience in eating competitive eating before that competition or well, I mean, okay, trained so, a little bit before. <laughs> uh, 
Um, you my, just saw a sign on the window, yeah. and it was just like, you're like, competition this. this way. You're, you're like, like, okay. I can yeah. Eat. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, when I, say, when I say I saw a sign, like, some people were like, you mean from God? And I'm like, no, it was a literal sign that said it eating said contest. It exquisitely yeah. clean bathrooms? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think there's an element of that. And then there's also kind of this undercurrent now looking at the context of, of everything I've learned about the adoption history, I think it's played more heavily into the eating than I even realized because some of the mm. other accusations in the TRC case are about how some of the adoption homes um, experimented with nutrition and only mm. fed the babies who had adoption deposits on them. Mm. Um, so some mm. of the, some of the adoptees, some of their, their adoptive families are reporting that they arrived in receiving countries, um, malnourished, extremely sick. Um, I know that that was not the case for me. Um, but in, in my case, I also had a, a senator um, who, <laughs> who helped my adoption along in the process. And I don't think mm-hmm. it's a coincidence that I arrived in healthy, good condition, um, just based on kind of comparatively others who, mm. who made the trip around that same time frame. Um, and I think that, you know, part of it is, is like, okay, I've worked so hard. Like it takes so much um, to, to become a professional leader, especially like at this level. But then it's also like, did I actually choose that? Or are people seeing like a really bizarre trauma response? Because if the kids in the adoption home, the babies around me were starving, then of course, like when you're given food, you're going to eat as much as you can as quickly as you can. And so now I'm left questioning, like, did I, did I actually choose this for myself? Um, and that's really difficult. And then there's the identity issues too. Um, I know that citizenship and adoptees also tends to be you know, one of the, the most commonly talked about issues uh, on your show. And um if you look at history, there's different ways that citizenship has been defined and the mm. rights of citizenship. And mm. historically, one of those was the right to food. So you can have citizenship by birth. You can have citizenship by country. Or you can have citizenship, for example, like if you're going to have a conquering army somewhere, of course, you want them to be well fed. So so that comes into play, too. So there's a certain degree of of pursuing things in the spotlight because there's this part of me where it's like, maybe someday, maybe someday my biological family will see me Mm. and I won't be invisible. Yeah. Which is like the child that's like little Mary, like the adult realizes that that's like, there's all kinds of issues with, with that, but those beliefs kind of carry into our adulthood in, in some strange ways sometimes. And then there's also, okay, well, if I eat hot dogs on the most American day at an event where everything looks like the U S flag, just like, exploded everywhere <laughs> like how Just tumbleweeded all over the place how oh. much more like it's it's the thing it's like that proves i am american to some degree mm, like i belong sure. here yeah sure sure um, sure 
Yeah, so that's really strange. But this year I'm going to be Korean. (laughs) So representing Korea for the competition. Korea for the competition. Which is cool because it feels like ownership. It feels like reclaiming identity um, to a certain degree. You know, taking back something that was mine um, that, that, you know, was essentially stolen without my consent. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like, wait, this is also the country that allowed all of this stuff to happen. So it's, it's, it's a very mixed, supercharged, yeah, supercharged mm-hmm. thing. It's complicated. Um, I, yeah, it's yeah. complicated. It's yeah, complicated. yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. And in the middle of sure. it, you're just throwing down some hot dogs. Yeah. So the competition, yeah. I guess, of course, we should mention if people don't understand <laughs> what we're talking about is the, the Nathan's famous hot yeah. dog eating contest on July 4th. It's going to be what men's and women's divisions and uh, televised, as you said. To broadcast across broadcast many across countries. Um, And on top of that, you said you're also involved in some other, um, uh, like some other campaigns, like the 16 for 16. Yeah. So um, I am trying to set this year, uh, I'm trying to set a new best, um, making the most of things, trying to always find that resolution, that balancing point of like, how do I make all the pieces fit together and make sense? Mm. So this year um, in my Coney Island quest, I am aiming for a new personal best of 16 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. Um, Mm. One for each of the adoptees in my case group uh, with the TRC claim. Um, My my case was grouped together with uh, 15 other adoptees from the U.S. and Australia. And um, those claims all um, come from the uh, Eastern Social Welfare Society uh, Adoption Agency. And that's kind of why they were grouped together the way that they were. Um, So uh, we're calling it 16 for 16. um, And you can follow some adoptee stories. Um, A little bit about the TRC, but I, I think also it's just really important for people to see us as human understand a little bit more about the adoptee experience. So uh, we'll be uh, (laughs) kind of featuring some of those discussions that we've been having within our group um, as part of that campaign. And then along with that, um, as Patrick had mentioned a little bit earlier, it is not just Korea and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission who have launched investigations into Korean adoptions uh, but several of other governments around the world have also undertaken investigations, including Denmark, Norway, Sweden. Um, France has already uh, closed an ado- adoption agency um, for good wow. because of the results of their findings. So um, along with the 16 for 16 campaign, uh, people can sign a petition to ask that U.S. Congress also launch an investigation. Uh, into the the historical process of Korean adoptions and some of the concerns around it, um, alongside other other government bodies around the world. Ugh. Um, I'm not even part of this. I'm just following it, and I'm part of the adoptee <laughs> community. Just pissing me off right now. Mike's just so mad. Um, I, I'm not mad you at know you. What obviously, the, I'm not mad okay, at you. I'm so mad at everyone the, else. So yeah, here's the other thing. So. Um, one of the 
one of the reasons, and I think it's important to explain this, one of the reasons that a lot of adoptees were like, I didn't even know this was happening. I didn't know I could submit a claim. Um, there was a deadline um, for the TRC's commission in order to uh, to be part of the investigation. However, <laughs> the adoptees who, who were aware, um, I think I had three days to get all of my stuff together. So like Ugh. really quick turnaround. Yeah. Um, so we're very aware, like there's an estimated 200,000 adoptees who have been through this same process mm-hmm. to varying degrees of severity or success. And so we asked the commission and um, the investigators if other adoptee cases could be submitted as supporting evidence um, towards these larger issues because they are systemic. This is not just me. Right. <laughs> I think my tendency is to self gaslight and be like, oh no, I'm going crazy. This can't be real. But then you have the validation of several hundred, several thousand other adoptees. So if you have had the chance to, or the privilege of getting access to your adoption records, whether true or not, um, they are something that can be submitted to help the larger the larger claim. This fifty six humanitarian human rights violations that are 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 being investigated, um, and I think the overall goal of the TRC and and of all of the Korean rights groups is that this is addressed systemically. Um, it's important that each of the individual adoptees gets justice in their case, but we understand like it is a much, much bigger picture with a lot more serious implications for a lot more people. So if you are a Korean adoptee, um, I encourage you like, uh, you know, go through your paper. It's not an easy process to just like read some of that stuff too. So if you have your documents, like I recommend doing it in bits and pieces, like as you feel ready, but know that like now is a good time to do it because there are so many advocates in, in this space um, who are, are truly trying to address um, some of the systemic issues. Yeah, Mary, I really appreciate you sharing all that and sharing not only a little bit of background and history of what's happening currently and how we got to this point, but also how that's affected you personally and your personal role in this. Mm -hmm. And also laying out these ways that we as a community can help to support and move this forward. Because at the end of the day, like this might feel like, okay, we're coming up on not an ending, but like closure for some, but actually this is just the beginning. This is a, a page turned in our community and the history of what adoption is, what it means to be an adoptee and how we go about dressing that and how we go about normalizing what that is for us uh, mm-hmm. within the wider discourse of just society in general. So yeah, yeah. thank you so much for, for, for having this conversation, be willing to sit down and really dig in and dive in and be vulnerable with us here. You know, that's something I can speak for both my co-hosts when I say mm-hmm. that it, it hit us hard, I think, as I've been watching their reactions to some of the things that you shared. Um, and I know that it's going to leave an impact for our audience because this is a story that we need to be telling and we need to be telling more often. Um, we're going to link to every single thing that we've talked about here in the show notes. People will be able to find that. Before we jump to our really fun food portion, where can, 
where can people uh, listening right now follow along with your specific journey when 16 for 16 comes out? Where can they find all of that information? So they can find me on my social media at Eat Be Mary. As always, um, there is a little bit of a change in tone here, which we've discussed uh, a lot today. Um, I, I, I love the happy food stuff. So I'm glad that's our next conversation. But um uh, so you can always find me there. You can follow the hashtag 16 for 16. If you want to like, post pictures of yourself, your families, some of your adoptee stories, that adds momentum to that campaign as well. Like I really, really want to hear from other adoptees. And then, of course, you can follow, um, let's see, AUSKRG.com will have the, uh, the petition link. And you can also find out exactly what's happening in the TRC case on the 16 cases that I'm hoping to represent through this process. And then, of course, the original DKRG, where all of it started, uh, their website has a lot of information as well. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I've, I've got a lot more to say, and I'm sure we're going to have <laughs> you back on, but especially as this, especially as this unfolds a little bit more you know this again this is an ongoing conversation something we're going to continue to talk about amongst ourselves and something i hope we can continue to talk about here on the show um but for right now we need to stick some hot dogs in our mouth i don't have the soundboard so i'm like duh, 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 duh. Uh, so we'll be right back with a very fun food snack portion time right after this Welcome back to the John Chi Show food portion and a special food portion because we are, I'm ready to see Patrick eat some hot dogs. That sounds weird, actually. I'm not the person here that we're here to see eat the hot dogs, I don't think. I mean, this is an audio podcast, so technically no one is here to see anything. That's 100% true. But I know Mary is going to impress us with uh, some tips and skills um, as, uh, as a, a professional eater. Yeah. How do you, how actually, sorry, I should, I should rephrase that. How do you, is that, uh, how, <laughs> how is to it? call yourself? Yeah. How, what is <laughs> your terminology for that? Cause we'll talk about it in the actual interview. Part. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the, the names for professional eaters range from, uh, weapons of mass consumption to uh, gurgitators, to uh, professional eaters or competitive okay. eaters. So wow. you could use a variety of phases. Is that I kind any of, like mastication puns in there? There should be. There should be. <laughs> yeah, because I, I feel like I feel like weapons of mass consumption, I kind of like the direction of it, but uh, the mastication piece might uh, might have a little bit more word alliteration. It has more yeah. rhythm, more flow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, uh, although our our uh, snack today is not Korean by origin, it is <laughs> it is a um, hot dog that, as we were just talking about, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. So that's why we decided to do uh, hot dogs today. And uh, honestly, I mean, what, what you're else in do you Korea. say about a hot dog? Yeah, I know, you're, but you're in <laughs> Korea currently, so what... What can you tell us about hot dogs in Korea? Oh yeah, what's the Korean is there, hot dog? Is there something like different that dog. we don't know? Yeah, yeah, so so I feel like the American side of me is 
is absolutely horrified and offended by the hot dog situation here <laughs> because it's it's usually it's usually like a corn dog, which is great. They're awesome. Um, yep. Sometimes they have the the French fries like on top mm, of yes. the the corn mm. dog, and then they they double fry it, so it's delicious. Where they lose me is when they cover it with powdered sugar. Mm-hmm. Oh, powdered sugar. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. I've only Sometimes had, like, they the use granulated sugar, sugar yeah, yeah, but yeah. I um I can't do it. I can't do it. And and they seem rather concerned that uh I I'm not interested in the sugar. <laughs> <laughs> especially, I mean, especially I mean, stereotypically with Americans, we do like sugar, right? So we do, we do, yeah. but it's it's like they they put it on their hot dogs, they put it on the garlic bread. So uh, I, oh, I feel like huh. yeah, yeah. So Korean history, I actually looked up why is there so much sugar in Korean food? Turns out uh, after the Korean War, one of the first businesses to uh, kind of restart industry in Korea was a sugar refinery. Mm. And so really, um, yeah, so people were encouraged to consume sugar to kind of rebuild the economy. Um, that sugar company is still in operation um, and it is now known probably uh, more commonly more. Uh, widely known as Samsung. Hmm. <laughs> wow, interesting. <laughs> so yeah, Hard. they still they still own uh, they still own a, a food conglomerate, and there's several subsidiaries underneath that conglomerate. But uh, wow. yeah. well, now their refrigerators make much more sense to me. Wow, a successful business is a diversified business. <laughs> That's my <laughs> motto. Hey, that is true. <laughs> there's a lot of companies who own very. Uh, very interesting companies that you wouldn't expect them to own. So yeah, so that <laughs> is true. that is the story on Korean hot dogs and the sugar that comes with them. So I'm a big fan of the corn dog, and yeah. I told this story uh, when we were came back from Arizona. But I went to a place in Flagstaff that was a Korean corn dog just store, and they had oh. a they had one that was coated in flaming hot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. Ooh, so, that sounds good. It was delicious. It that. was terrible uh, after <laughs> the fact, but it was really good. Uh, yeah, spice and in, spice initially out. Initially yeah. on the on the eat. So mm. I would funny. say um, next time you're in Arizona, you have to try a Sonoran style dog. Mm, so yes. instead of that. instead of a bun, they have like the Mexican salt bread. And then they put uh, like beans and salsa and guacamole and sour cream, and it is Damn, delicious. That sounds pretty I good. I think the only place, the only place that does a hot dog better than Arizona is Chicago. Ooh! All right. Okay. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. So then, that is your favorite. That is the Chicago style Chicago dog. style dog. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! You got the the sport peppers. The I have no idea what is in that neon green relish. <laughs> I probably don't, don't want to know, but it's magical, <laughs> and definitely no ketchup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta have no ketchup. Oh, that's so, hard for me. I love ketchup on hot dogs. That's that's. I'm hard. excited for this particular food portion because I really enjoy hot dogs, and mm -hmm. I feel like I'm a. I feel like I eat them well. <laughs> Um, but I've well. never okay. learned from someone who eats them professionally. Mm. Uh, okay. I need to know. I need. I'm, I'm ready to learn some tips. I'm ready to learn the best <laughs> appropriate way to game? eat this. <laughs> like I feel like, yeah, I'm just trying to level up. 
I'm just going to okay. eat my hot dog while those tips are being <laughs> yeah, I am delivered. Too. Yeah. So. so like a leisurely I'm, kind of, okay. Just so real there, chill for me over here. There are a couple of different methods uh, <laughs> that you can use <laughs> in a hot dog eating contest. One is called the Solomon method. So you break the hot dog in half and then eat the oh. two halves mm. at the same time. That's tragic. Yeah, oh, yeah. That Man. was made uh, by Takiro Kobayashi was the first uh, guy to break the 40 hot dog mark in mm. competition. He's the he's the innovator who made the Solomon method a thing. So, uh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, so I can you can do try that. that. Then there's also uh, the Joey Jaws method, which is like, you know, top ranked athlete, like no athlete holds more titles than Joey Chestnut. Uh, he does two meats, two buns. So at the same two time, hot dogs. yeah, yeah. Uh, no. So like the speed the- here is just insane. Like, his record is like 76 hot dogs. Um, Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. A 10-minute contest does not count if you do not eat the corresponding bun. Uh, so he'll take the hot dogs out of the bun, do two hot dogs, mm. then two two buns. But while he's eating the hot dogs, he's dunking his buns in uh, the liquid. Yeah. Oh, I have seen that. Okay. It helps get okay. it down, right? So that it's not yeah, as dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you were chewing the bun, you were doing something wrong. You mm. should be drinking Yeah, my jaw is tired bun. eating this single bun. So, but I found I probably don't have a regulation bun. So, oh, true. I'm using uh, yeah, a brioche, yeah. so I'm all I'm all over the place over here. <laughs> I don't know what this oh, is. No, Wonder no, White. brioche is not. <laughs> That's all I had. Patrick, I think you got a hoagie bun. <laughs> no, no, I like no I have idea. the I have I the foot long with the, the, the pretzel bread today. So, oh, mm. damn, that was good. Yeah, it's like got cheese and everything. So. Okay, question. Yeah. So you said you're supposed to be drinking your bun. If you chew it, you're doing it wrong. Does that mean in the first and the Solomon method, when you break it in half, are you dunking directly into water and then going into your mouth? Or does you, the, you, the half of the bun just kind of go and dissolve once you oh, shove it in? Oh, yeah. So you should take the hot dog out of the bun. Uh, if you oh, eat them together, you're probably okay. going to choke because uh, the yeah. textures are really different. You might. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would choke. Yeah, so uh, the current female champion, uh, her method for the hot dogs is kind of like bite, 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 but not not all the way through the dog. She'll bite just enough to make it kind of flexible and then swallow the, the whole hot dog. Um, Whoa. So. Wow. That's interesting. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't even know that. how that works. So, so do not try this at home. This Thinking. is this is the big disclaimer too. We always have EMTs that are like right there. <laughs> yeah, because that's um, a lot of hot dogs a minute. And yeah, I yeah, yeah. Did not eat it that quickly, but it was good. I, think, I grilled mine for the listeners at home, and uh, I'm the only one who maybe had the time to to grill it, but it was good. So, and also I did get the I did get a Nathan. Wait, what's what's the brand? Nathan's Nathan's hot dog famous. Mm-hmm. Famous, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You're welcome. Pretty solid. The last hot dog <laughs> I had was probably just like a a basic Oscar Mayer hot dog, and this one is oh. like this is quality. Uh, and I like yeah. a hot dog, it was, but it was good. So yeah, yeah five a out weird of five thing happens. Yeah, like a weird thing happens. So about two minutes, two to three minutes into the contest, you cannot taste anything. Mm. I thought mm. you were gonna say you question. 
every choice that you made. <laughs> you question your existence. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like I question my life. But that's about minute five. Like, yeah, it's almost the- done, right? And you're like, no, you're halfway through. Like, halfway <laughs> through. <laughs> Yeah, so the arc for the contest, like I get all amped up, I get excited, I go in feeling great, and then uh, we we call it the wall. You hit that wall, and you're like, God, oh, yeah. this eating yeah. contest was a regrettable choice, and then it, <laughs> it progresses to my life is probably just a regrettable choice. <laughs> and then uh, the last minute is when the crowd really starts going, they get excited, and that's when things get fun again, so. It's like, how much energy do you get from the crowd, like in that last minute? Like, what does that swell feel like? (laughs) Oh my God. There's 40,000 people in the live crowd. Okay, that's Um, like. It's a a lot of people screaming at you to just like stuff your face. It's amazing. Uh, It's. It's a bit of a rush, yeah. Uh, but I think what what hits me is the crash afterwards because you get that that adrenaline going, oh, and then you're feeling yeah. great. And it's like it's like you get. I would compare it to a sugar high, but we do not put sugar on our hot dogs. Mm. Um, but it's like it's <laughs> like an ultimate sugar rush. All the calories, all the adrenaline, and then it's gone. Like it's gone really fast. Um, and I've heard that. Olympians and uh, marathon runners actually kind of experience the same thing. So kind of like a runner's high. Interesting. Okay. So (laughs) I'm pretty impressed that you're eating a hot dog casually with us, given that it is your profession and you eat a lot of them. Uh, But one one of the things that we, that we do on the show is we rate our snack. Uh, I gave mine a five out of five. I'm curious, what type of hot dog do you have and what do you rate it out of five? Okay, so I have the cheesy pretzel bread on the foot-long hot dog. So On a foot-long hot dog? Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, she split it in half. Yeah, mine was Solid also I not a foot-long, so, yeah, all right. <laughs> but, but I can't really talk to you and uh, accomplish, yep. you know, two, two sense, at a yeah. time. Uh, <laughs> so, so I would say the pretzel bread is a little on the sweet side for me um, still. It's, I don't think they put sugar in it, but it does kind of have a little bit of a sweetness to it that I wouldn't expect in pretzel bread, but I'm enjoying the cheese. So out of 10, I'd say like an eight. All right. Eight out of 10 for the pretzel bag cheese dog from Korea slash Japan. No, you said that one's Korean. This one's Korean. This one's Korean. Yeah. Yeah. So out of, uh, let's, you already said Sonoran was one of your favorite Chicago. Have you Mm -hmm. ever had anything remotely like Korean fusion on it, like say kimchi or something on, on a hot dog. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kimchi and hot dogs, man. That's like, that's the best. I know a lot of people like sauerkraut, but Mm -hmm. like, Oh no. Sauerkraut's like the baby kimchi. (laughs) Koreans like rinse off the spice. Yeah. Yeah, Like Koreans will rinse off the spiciness or, or make a different version of, of kimchi for their, their babies to kind of like get them used to the flavor. And I'm like, that's sauerkraut. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, if you want to graduate to the next level, that's when you have the kimchi dog. Yes. Yeah, nice. Perfect. Well, I'm, have one. my hot dog was a, um, a pretty Did good you one. Microwave I, used, it? I used brioche, I microwaved it, and then put some <laughs> cheese, I put some uh, um, spicy pepper jack cheese on it. So, well, you know, nice. made it more of a cheese dog. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I would give mine a four out of five the way I made it. So 
<laughs> I would give yours a four out of five the way you made it too. It's, it's yeah. not not it's, great. Not as authentic. It's not. It's not my best hot dog. I'm. I'm just. Yeah. I was gonna be truthful on that. It's not my best hot dog. Like I'm not sure which is worse, the microwave or the brioche. <laughs> <laughs> wow. yeah. Some hot takes coming hard for the brioche. My hot dog is good. It's a. Uh, I mean, I consider my hot dog a five out of five. It's. I'm a super basic guy. Like if I'm making it myself, but I pan fried it. I bought a bun from the store. It is white bread. <laughs> and I put one strip of mayonnaise. <laughs> and I put one strip of mayonnaise on it because I like mayo on my hot dog, oh, and I feel okay. like that's a rare okay. thing. So like okay. Japanese your Midwest is showing. I'm Midwest. Okay. I Midwest yeah. the shit out of it. So <laughs> okay. The easier question is, what do you not put mayonnaise in? Ooh, that's an actually that's a harder mm. question. What do I not put mayonnaise P- in? Pizza. That's what I'm saying fruit. That's the- Pizza fruit? fruit. Yeah, fruit. Oh, probably be yeah. I have seen. So you're from the Midwest. There's been fruit salads that have a miracle whip in it. Mm, this is true. Oh, that's gross. and that's yeah. disgusting in my opinion. So some of them that, have miracle yeah. whip and mayonnaise. I've seen oh, that. Yeah. I that doesn't sound do very that. good to me. It, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the only ingredients that's missing that makes it more more Midwest is like tater tots and jello. Uh, yeah, it's like, can you make it a casserole yeah. somehow and then layer exactly. it? Yeah. That, yeah. Classic Midwest. <laughs> Well, uh, all right. This has been fun. Um, <laughs> Mary, again, if you would like to repeat uh, um, where where can people find you on the Internet and if they want to contact you and, and get in touch? Well, uh, definitely they can catch me on the 4th of July on ESPN and uh, ESPN3. Um, I think ESPN Classic runs like – all of the years of contest uh, up nice. till now as well. <laughs> so pretty much the 4th of July, turn on the TV, I'll be there. Uh, but uh, in between times, in between contests, people can always find me at Eat Be Merry on social media or on my website, which is also Eat Be Merry. Eat, eat Be Merry. Eat Excellent. Be Merry. <laughs> well, eat this is be merry. great. Uh as always, you can find us on uh, John Chi Show um, on all the platforms. You can uh, email us, johnchishow at gmail.com. You, you got can, this, Nathan. Yeah, I was gonna try, I'm trying to remember them all. You can go to johnchishow.com, support us. With all the, the You can call us. Oh, gosh. Uh, 972-677-8867. Nice. Um, leave us a voicemail because, you know, you never know what we will air it on the, on the show. I'm on Instagram uh, at nnowak. I'm at KJ Rilke, wherever I want to be found on the internet. And I am at Patrick in the world. Wherever I want to be found on the internet. Yes. (laughs) And at Patrick in the world, since you have the white bread bun, do you have a a glass of water uh, available nearby? I actually do have a glass of water that I was drinking, but I suppose I could probably dunk my hot dog in it. Wait, I, I, do I have to take the hot dog out of the bun. You take the hot dog out of the bun, and then and then you dunk the you dunk the oh, bun. Man, bun. You want to give it a try? Soggy oh, mayonnaise bread. bread. Oh, oh, yeah, I don't know. No, All right, no, that's no, no, and that's water for that. <laughs> we'll say, that'll that's a piece of content that'll come out <laughs> at John Chi Show. On the <laughs> All right, be on the lookout for that. Amazing. Thank you, Mary, so much for yes. talking with us yes. and for uh, sharing your story and eating a hot dog with us yes. and challenging uh, challenging Patrick to dunk his bun, his mayo bun, in water. Uh, for the rest of you listeners, until next week, Johnchi Heyo! <laughs> <laughs>